0: Section six of A Chesterton Calendar. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Philippa A Chesterton Calendar by G. K. Chesterton. June, June the first. The great lords will refuse the English peasant his three acres and a cow on advanced grounds. If they cannot refuse it longer on reactionary grounds, they will deny him the three acres on grounds of state ownership, they will forbid him the cow on grounds of humanitarianism. What's wrong with the world? June the second. Life is a thing too glorious to be enjoyed. George Bernard Shaw. June the third. I remember an artistic and eager lady asking me in her grand green drawing-room whether I believed in comradeship between the sexes, and why not. I was driven back on offering the obvious and sincere answer, because if I were to treat you for two minutes like a comrade, you would turn me out of the house. What's wrong with the world?" June the fourth. Every man of us today is three men there is in every modern european three powers so distinct as to be almost personal the trinity of our earthly destiny the three may be rudely summarized thus first and nearest to us is the christian the man of the historic church of the creed that must have colored our minds incurably whether we regard it as the crown and combination of the other two or whether we regard it as an accidental superstition which has remained for two thousand years first then comes the christian behind him comes the roman the citizen of that great cosmopolitan realm of reason and order in the level and equality of which Christianity arose. He is the Stoic who is so much sterner than the Anchorites. He is the Republican who is so much prouder than Kings. It is he that makes straight roads and clear laws, and for whom good sense is good enough. And the third man, he has no name, and all true tales of him are blotted out, yet he walks behind us in every forest path, and wakes within us when the wind wakes at night. He is the Origins. He is the man in the forest." William Blake June the fifth. The right and proper thing, of course, is that every good patriot should stop at home, and curse his own country. So long as that is being done everywhere, we may be sure that things are fairly happy, As being kept up to a reasonably high standard. So long as we are discontented separately, we may be well content as a whole." Illustrated London News June 6th I have never been able to understand where people got the idea that democracy was in some way opposed to tradition. It is obvious that tradition is only democracy extended through time. It is trusting to a consensus of common human voices, rather than to some isolated or arbitrary record. The man who quotes some German historian against the tradition of the Catholic Church, for instance, is strictly appealing to aristocracy. He is appealing to the superiority of one expert against the awful authority of a mob. It is quite easy to see why a legend is treated, and ought to be treated, more respectfully than a book of history. The legend is generally made by the majority of people in the village who are sane. The book is generally written by the one man in the village who is mad. Those who urge against tradition, that men in the past were ignorant, may go and urge it at the Carlton Club, along with the statement that voters in the slums are ignorant. It will not do for us. If we attach great importance to the opinion of ordinary men in great unanimity when we are dealing with daily matters, There is no reason why we should disregard it when we are dealing with history or fable. Tradition may be defined as an extension of the franchise. Tradition means giving votes to the most obscure of all classes, our ancestors. It is the democracy of the dead. Tradition refuses to submit to the small and arrogant oligarchy of those who merely happen to be walking about. All Democrats object to men being disqualified by the accident of birth. Tradition objects to their being disqualified by the accident of death. Democracy tells us not to neglect a good man's opinion, even if he is our groom. Tradition asks us not to neglect a good man's opinion, even if he is our father. Orthodoxy. June the 7th. You hold that your heretics and sceptics have helped the world forward, and handed it on a lamp of progress. I deny it. Nothing is plainer from real history than that each of your heretics invented a complete cosmos of his own, which the next heretic smashed entirely to pieces. Who knows now exactly what Nestorius taught? Who cares? there are only two things that we know for certain about it the first is that nestorius as a heretic taught something quite opposite to the teaching of arius the heretic who came before him and something quite useless to james turnbull the heretic who comes after i defy you to go back to the freethinkers of the past and find any habitation for yourself at all i defy you to read godwin or shelley or the deists of the eighteenth century or the nature-worshipping humanists of the renaissance without discovering that you differ from them twice as much as you differ from the Pope. You are a nineteenth-century sceptic, and you are always telling me that I ignore the cruelty of nature. If you had been an eighteenth-century sceptic, you would have told me that I ignore the kindness and benevolence of nature. You are an atheist, and you praise the deists of the eighteenth century. Read them instead of praising them, and you will find that their whole universe stands or falls with the Deity. You are a materialist, and you think Bruno a scientific hero. See what he said, and you will think him an insane mystic. No, the great free-thinker, with his genuine ability and honesty, does not in practice destroy Christianity. What he does destroy is the free-thinker who went before. The ball and the cross. June the eighth. When the old liberals removed the gags from all the heresies, their idea was that religious and philosophical discoveries might thus be made. Their view was that cosmic truth was so important that every one ought to bear independent testimony. The modern idea is that cosmic truth is so unimportant that it cannot matter what any one says. The former freed inquiry as men loose a noble hound. The latter frees inquiry as men fling back into the sea a fish unfit for eating. Never has there been so little discussion about the nature of men as now, when for the first time any one can discuss it. HERETICS June the ninth, Dickens died. The hour of absinthe is over. We shall not be much further troubled with the little artists who found dickens too sane for their sorrows and too clean for their delights but we have a long way to travel before we get back to what dickens meant and the passage is along an english rambling road a twisting road such as mr pickwick travelled but this at least is part of what he meant that comradeship and serious joy are not interludes in our travel but that rather our travels are interludes in comradeship and joy, which, through God, shall endure for ever. The inn does not point to the road, the road points to the inn. And all roads point at last to an ultimate inn, where we shall meet Dickens and all his characters, and when we drink again, it shall be from the great flagons in the tavern at the end of the world. Charles Dickens June the tenth. I have always been inclined to believe the ruck of hard-working people rather than to believe that special and troublesome literary class to which I belong. I prefer even the fancies and prejudices of the people who see life from the inside to the clearest demonstrations of the people who see life from the outside. I would always trust the old wives fables against the old maids facts. As long as wit is mother wit, it can be as wild as it pleases. ORTHODOXY JUNE eleventh. However far aloft a man may go, he is still looking up, not only at God, which is obvious, but in a manner at men also, seeing more and more all that is towering and mysterious in the dignity and destiny of the lonely house of Adam. So it may be hoped, until we die, You and I will always look up, rather than down, at the labours and habitations of our race. We will lift up our eyes to the valleys from whence cometh our help. For from every special eminence, beyond every sublime landmark, it is good for our souls to see only vaster and vaster visions of that dizzy and divine level, and to behold from our crumbling turrets the tall plains of equality alarms and discursions june the twelfth there is more of the song and music of mankind in a clerk putting on his sunday clothes than in a fanatic running naked down cheapside william blake june the thirteenth if we are to save the oppressed we must have two apparently antagonistic emotions in us at the same time We must think the oppressed man intensely miserable, and at the same time intensely attractive and important. We must insist with violence upon his degradation. We must insist with the same violence upon his dignity. For if we relax by one inch the one assertion, men will say he does not need saving. And if we relax by one inch the other assertion, men will say he is not worth saving. The optimists will say that reform is needless. The pessimists will say that reform is hopeless. We must apply both simultaneously to the same oppressed man. We must say that he is a worm and a god. And we must thus lay ourselves open to the accusation, or the compliment, of transcendentalism. Charles Dickens June 14th you say your civilization will include all talents will it? Do you really mean to say that at the moment when the Eskimo has learned to vote for a county council, you will have learnt to spear a walrus The Napoleon of Notting Hill June fifteenth Certainly it is untrue that three is no company. Three is splendid company. Three is the ideal number for pure comradeship, as in the Three Musketeers. But if you reject the proverb altogether, if you say that two and three are the same sort of company, if you cannot see that there is a wider abyss between two and three than between three and three million, then I regret to inform you that you shall have no company either of two or three, but shall be alone in a howling desert till you die." alarms and discursions june the 16th blasphemy is an artistic effect because blasphemy depends on a philosophical conviction blasphemy depends upon belief and is fading with it if anyone doubts this let him sit down seriously and try to think blasphemous thoughts about thor i think his family will find him at the end of the day in a state of some exhaustion heretics june the seventeenth just as the rivalry of armaments is only a sort of sulky plagiarism so the rivalry of parties is only a sort of sulky inheritance men have votes so women must soon have votes poor children are now taught by force so they must soon be fed by force the police shut public houses by twelve o'clock so soon they must shut them by eleven o'clock. Children stop at school till they are fourteen, so soon they will stop till they are forty. No gleam of reason, no momentary return to first principles, no abstract asking of any obvious question can interrupt this mad and monotonous gallop of mere progress by precedent. What's wrong with the world? June 18th Waterloo Day. The time of big theories was the time of big results. In the era of sentiment and fine words, at the end of the eighteenth century, men were really robust and effective. The sentimentalists conquered Napoleon. The cynics could not catch de Vette. A hundred years ago our affairs for good or evil were wielded triumphantly by rhetoricians now our affairs are hopelessly muddled by strong silent men heretics june the nineteenth herein lies the peculiar significance the peculiar sacredness even of penny dreadfuls and the common printed matter made for our errand boys here in dim and desperate forms under the ban of our base culture stormed at by silly magistrates sneered at by silly schoolmasters here is the old popular literature still popular here is the unmistakable voluminousness the thousand and one tales of dick deadshot like the thousand and one tales of robin hood Here is the splendid and static boy, the boy who remains a boy through a thousand volumes and a thousand years. Here in mean alleys and dim shops, shadowed and shamed by the police, mankind is still driving its dark trade in heroes. And elsewhere and in all ages, in braver fashion, under cleaner skies, the same eternal tale-telling still goes on, and the whole mortal world is a factory of immortals charles dickens june the twentieth there are two very curious things which the critic of life may observe the first is the fact that there is one real difference between men and women that women prefer to talk in twos while men prefer to talk in threes the second is that when you find as you often do three young cads and idiots going about together and getting drunk together every day you generally find that one of the three cads and idiots is for some extraordinary reason not a cad and not an idiot in those small groups devoted to a driveling dissipation there is almost always one man who seems to have condescended to his company one man who while he can talk a foul triviality with his fellows can also talk politics with a socialist, or philosophy with a Catholic. Tremendous trifles. June twenty-first. Mankind has, in nearly all places and periods, seen that there is a soul and a body, as plainly as that there is a sun and a moon. But because a narrow Protestant sect called Materialists declared for a short time that there was no soul. Another Protestant sect called Christian Scientist is now maintaining that there is no body. What's wrong with the world? June 22nd Those thinkers who cannot believe in any gods often assert that the love of humanity would be in itself sufficient for them, and so perhaps it would, if they had it. Tremendous trifles. June 23rd Only the Christian church can offer any rational objection to a complete confidence in the rich. For she has maintained from the beginning that the danger was not in man's environment, but in man. Further, she has maintained that if we come to talk of a dangerous environment, the most dangerous of all is the commodious environment. I know that the most modern manufacturer has been really occupied in trying to produce an abnormally large needle— I know that the most recent biologists have been chiefly anxious to discover a very small camel. But if we diminish the camel to his smallest, or open the eye of the needle to its largest, if, in short, we assume the words of Christ to have meant the very least that they could mean, his words must at the very least mean this, that rich men are not very likely to be morally trustworthy. Orthodoxy june the twenty fourth midsummer day, O oh, well for him that loves the sun, that sees the heaven race ridden or run, the splashing seas of sunset won and shouts for victory. God made the sun to crown his head, and when death's dart at last is sped, at least it will not find him dead, and pass the carrion by. O ill for him that loves the sun, Shall the sun stoop for any one? Shall the sun weep for hearts undone, Or heavy souls that pray? Not less for us and every one Was that white web of wonder spun. O well for him who loves the sun, Although the sun should slay. Ballad of the Sun June 25th A man's good work is effected by doing what he does, a woman's by being what she is. Robert Browning June 26. If the old priests forced a statement on mankind, at least they previously took some trouble to make it lucid. It has been left for the modern mobs of Anglicans and nonconformists to persecute for a doctrine without even stating it heretics. June the twenty seventh. From the time of the first fairy tales, men had always believed ideally in equality. They had always thought that something ought to be done, if anything could be done, to redress the balance between Cinderella and the ugly sisters. The irritating thing about the French was not that they said this ought to be done. Everybody said that. The irritating thing about the French was that they did it. Introduction to Hard Times June the 28th My lady clad herself in grey That caught and clung about her throat, Then all the long grey winter day On me a living splendour smote, And why grey palmers holy are, And why grey minsters great in story, And grey skies ring the morning star, and grey hairs are a crown of glory. My lady clad herself in green, like meadows where the wind-waves pass. Then round my spirit spread I ween a splendour of forgotten grass. Then all that dropped of stem or sod, hoarded as emeralds might be, I bowed to every bush, and trod amid the live grass fearfully my lady clad herself in blue. Then on me, like the seer long gone, the likeness of a sapphire grew, the throne of him that sat thereon. Then knew I why the fashioner splashed reckless blue on sky and sea, and ere t'was good enough for her, he tried it on eternity. Beneath the gnarled old knowledge-tree sat, like an owl, the evil sage. The world's a bubble solemnly he read and turned a second page. A bubble, then, old crow, I cried. God keep you in your weary wit. A bubble! Have you ever spied the colours I have seen on it? A cord of colour. June the twenty-ninth, St. Peter's Day. When Christ, at a symbolic moment, was establishing his great society. He chose for its cornerstone neither the brilliant Paul nor the mystic John, but a shuffler, a snob, a coward, in a word, a man. And upon this rock he has built his church, and the gates of hell have not prevailed against it. All the empires and the kingdoms have failed because of this inherent and continual weakness, that they were founded by strong men, and upon strong men. But this one thing, the historic Christian church, was founded upon a weak man, and for that reason it is indestructible, for no chain is stronger than its weakest link. HERETICS JUNE thirtieth. There are thrilling moments, doubtless, for the spectator, the amateur, and the east But there is one thrill that is known only to the soldier who fights for his own flag, to the ascetic who starves himself for his own illumination, to the lover who makes finally his own choice. And it is this transfiguring self-discipline that makes the vow a truly sane thing. It must have satisfied even the giant hunger of the soul of a lover or a poet to know that in consequence of some one instant of decision, That strange chain would hang for centuries in the Alps, among the silences of stars and snows. All around us is the city of small sins, abounding in backways and retreats. But surely sooner or later the towering flame will rise up from the harbour, announcing that the reign of the cowards is over, and a man is burning his ships. THE DEFENDANT End of section 6